I Lived with a Killer is part of the Real Crime Collection in the Reels Files on Podcast One, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify. Be sure to subscribe to get new episodes each Thursday. Then, go to Reels.com to find chilling programs like this when you watch TV. That's R-E-E-L-Z.com for the real crime series and specials you'll find only on Reels Channel. Paul Snyder is a small-time hustler with a silver tongue. He said that I was very beautiful and that I should consider doing playboy. A teenage Patty Lauerman believes Snyder when he says he'll make her a famous model. Just like his wife, Playboy superstar Dorothy Stratton. Paul told me he saw her and he just knew that she would just be perfect for Playboy. But at some point, things take a very, very bad turn. For Dorothy, the dream comes to a bloody and shocking end. It was a really bloody crime scene. Now, an unsuspecting Patty is in the hands of a killer. Patty Lowry, roommate. When I moved in with Paul, I was really looking forward to seeing where this was going to take me. I was his protege. In the summer of 1980, Playboy playmate Dorothy Stratton is found naked and shot inside her West Los Angeles home. <laughs> the killer, her estranged husband, Paul Snyder. Paul's roommate, Patty, is shocked by the gruesome murder. Just the thought that that could have been me is pretty scary. And that I lived with somebody that is able to do that. Dorothy's death is the end of a Hollywood fairy tale. Michael Fleeman, true crime author. She's one of the most famous Playboy playmates. People are already comparing her to Marilyn Monroe. Scott Michaels. Hollywood historian. She was comfortable in talk show appearances. She was comfortable in films and television. She was the whole package. They really thought that she was going to be a megastar. Paul Snyder, a small-time hustler, had discovered Dorothy and helped make her a star. Earlier that year, the smooth-talking Snyder meets Patty Lauerman and tells her he can make her a star as well. I thought that my dream was actually going to happen. In 1979, Patty Lauerman is easy prey for the opportunistic Snyder. The pretty 17-year-old high school senior has dreams of becoming a glamorous model. Modeling was exciting. It just intrigued me. I thought it was, you know, the beautiful women and, and the natural beauty, and that's what I was interested in. But the bustling city of Los Angeles, where dreams are made, is a world away from Riverside, California where Patty lives a typical middle-class life. My parents were from the Netherlands, and they're very strict. We all had a very strict schedule. We had to be in the house before 5 o'clock, make sure the table was set at a certain time. My dad would come outside and clap his hands really loud, and all the kids in the neighborhood knew that, oh, you guys better go home, your dad's calling you. Then, in the fall of 1979, Patty lands a modeling gig promoting cars at an auto show. I went to the Ontario Raceway when they used to have the car show over there with the funny cars, the race cars. We would stand and smile and hand out pamphlets about their company. Standing next to a hot rod, Lowerman comes face to face with a killer. I was handing out flyers and Paul walked up to talk to me. You are beautiful. Thank you. 
He kind of reminded me of Mr. like what we would say suave because he was wearing these snakeskin boots, some tight slacks with a nice belt and his shirt tucked in and his buttons undone on the top. He said that I was very beautiful and that he thought that I should consider doing Playboy. Have you ever maybe thought about a career in modeling? Yeah, I have. I was nervous but very excited. But at the same time, you're still very cautious. I've had so many promises, even at that age. But Patty's fear disappears when Paul makes a surprising offer that changes Patty's life forever. He said his wife was the Playmate of the Year and that he really wanted to introduce me to her. By 1980, Dorothy Stratton is living the life that Patty can only dream of as Playboy's Playmate of the Year. Dorothy is already on her way to becoming a major star. Not only a Playboy Playmate and a beautiful model, but she's getting those TV and movie roles that eluded all the Playmates before her. She is on her way to becoming a movie star. Hi, it's nice to meet you. And suddenly Dorothy Stratton is there at the auto show, standing in front of a young and impressionable Patty Lauerman. Seeing the two together made me feel much more comfortable than if I had just Paul approach me. They'd be giggling and laughing and talking about stuff. They definitely seem to be in love. Paul and Dorothy's relationship is not just personal, it's professional. Snyder is also Dorothy's agent. He tells the young, impressionable Patty that together, he and his wife have the know-how and connections to make her famous. Paul and Dorothy saw in Patty a lot of what Dorothy had, that same beauty and charisma and charm, and they thought maybe she had what it would take to become a star. I felt that there was possibly a future here with the two of them together working as my managers. I was screaming inside like, oh my God, this could actually be something for real, because they they were genuine. It was so exciting. And right away I was calling home to tell my mom about it, and I called my friends. Patty has no reason to suspect Paul of any wrongdoing and is dazzled by the glamorous Dorothy and her story of success. Paul doesn't waste time and soon gets in touch. After the car show, Paul had called me the following week and asked me to come out and go visit them at their place. As soon as she arrives, Paul regales Patty with the story of how he discovered Dorothy and turned her into a star. Paul told me he saw her And she was so beautiful and she was so innocent. He just knew that she would just be perfect for Playboy. And he persuaded her to do some pictures. By all accounts, Dorothy was a a very sweet, lovable person. I don't think when she was growing up, she had aspirations of fame and fortune. But Paul was a smarmy guy. And, um, and he was really smitten with her. He, he saw her as an opportunity, really. And uh, he'd been, weirdly enough, trying to get women into Playboy for a while. And uh, he saw this as his, as his meal ticket. Paul Snyder sends photos of Dorothy to Playboy. And Hugh Hefner asks for Dorothy to fly in from Vancouver to meet him in Hollywood. Dorothy flies to L.A. for a Playboy test shoot, her first time on a plane. Dorothy meets Hugh Hefner, and things are just taking off. 
He tells her, I'm going to make you Playmate of the Month for August of 1979, and the entire Playboy publicity machine is going to start working for you. And she gets a part in this very popular TV show called Fantasy Island, and this Buck Rogers TV show, and she's booking talk show gigs and photo shoots. A star is born. Topping everything off is the ultimate thing she wants to hear and that's when Hefner tells her you're going to be playmate of the year for 1980. Paul Snyder can't believe his luck and the hard work that went into this. He wanted to make her a star and now she's becoming a star and everything he dreamed of is coming true. And so he proposes to Dorothy and in June of 1979 they get married in Las Vegas. Dorothy's meteoric rise to stardom and Paul's role as her manager is all the proof Patty needs. And Snyder tells Patty he has a plan for her. Paul wanted Dorothy and himself to represent me as managers, especially with Dorothy being involved with Playboy and involved with acting and, and her other modeling. Without giving it a second thought, Patty puts her trust in Snyder. Paul was able to help make Dorothy a star and now he's pushing to make Patty a star. But Patty is young, she's naive, she's impressionable, and she has no idea what a dark past Paul really has. Paul Snyder is in his 20s and living in Vancouver's harsh East End before moving to Hollywood. And even at that young age, he has a shady reputation. In his 20s, Paul Snyder hung out in clubs and bars in the gas town and Hornby Street section of Vancouver. And this is the rough section of town back in those days, you know, with rumors of underworld figures lurking about. Paul feels right at home in the seedy part of town. He even makes sure to dress the part. Paul struck a dramatic, distinctive figure. He's got the little mustache and the shirts unbuttoned and the chains and the cool clothes and the boots and the fur. Paul transformed himself into this sort of what we'd call a player now. And a lot of women were attracted to that, you know, that there was both a, a charisma and a sense of danger that surrounded Paul. Snyder charms the women, but ultimately uses them as a way to earn a buck. There was a dark side to Paul Snyder. He is doing some kind of unsavory stuff. You know, he's putting on these wet t-shirt contests, and he's suspected of essentially being a pimp and, and turning out these women to prostitution. In 1976, Vancouver police had Paul under investigation for possibly pimping. But there was a witness from out of town, and the department didn't want to spend the money to have her travel and testify and talk about Paul, and so the case was essentially dropped. Now, standing in his kitchen in West Hollywood, Snyder tells Patty he's going to take her to the Playboy Mansion and introduce her to Hollywood heavyweight Hugh Hefner. On a sunny afternoon, Patty makes the trip to the Playboy Mansion with Snyder and Dorothy. Patty thinks her dreams of modeling and fame are finally coming true, never suspecting that she's put her future in the hands of a killer. In 1980, Dorothy Stratton, one of the most famous Playboy Playmates of all time, is murdered by her husband and manager, Paul Snyder. 
Only months before, the smooth-talking Snyder takes teenaged Patty Lauerman under his wing, promising to make her a star as well. Now he's taking her to the Playboy Mansion. It was really, really exciting going to the mansion. Snyder seems legit, but when it comes to women, he's an opportunist. Paul took Patty Lauerman to the Playboy Mansion, and that was going to be her big unveiling to Hefner. He was going to parade her around, and you know they're going to say, "Well, he did it once; he could do it again." Paul had told me it's beautiful up there. You're going to love it. You can order food, whatever you want to eat. You're going to notice that have his um, M&Ms in bowls everywhere because he liked to be able to dip into them whenever he walked around. And um, he just said, the, just go and enjoy yourself and wear something really nice. From the town that I was in, a lot of people thought that the mansion was a big party place full of uh, craziness and, and drugs. And when I went up there, it was just... Uh, like a sanctuary for the women to be safe and and relax and not be bothered by anyone. Hi, Hugh. I got to meet you, Hefner, and it's really sweet. It was kind of hard to understand. He kind of seemed like he mumbled when he talks a little bit. Dazzled by the lavish party and celebrity guests. Patty notices an odd exchange between Hef and Paul Snyder. It seemed like Paul was about to try to talk to him, and Hef just kind of walked away. I noticed that um, he really didn't spend time with them. Paul Snyder's hanging out at the Playboy Mansion, but he doesn't fit in, you know, with his unbuttoned shirt, his gold chain, and his little mustache. This was cool about 10 years earlier, but he just sticks out like a sore thumb in the late 1970s. And most importantly, Hugh Hefner is not impressed. In fact, Hugh Hefner is worried about Paul. He thinks he looks like a pimp. Hugh Hefner may dislike Paul Snyder, but Patty's experience at the mansion has her hooked. Patty is finding herself making more trips to the bright lights and glamor of Los Angeles while she's finishing up high school in Riverside. And while Patty attends her classes and dreams of a life of money and glamour, fame begins to tear Paul and Dorothy Stratton's lives apart. By spring of 1980, Dorothy Stratton is on her way to becoming a star. She's appearing in these TV shows, Buck Rogers in the 25th Century, Galaxina, Fantasy Island. She's on the chair next to Johnny Carson on The Tonight Show. She's getting all these things that she always dreamed of. But as Dorothy's star is rising, she is spending less and less time at home with Paul and more time in photo shoots, on TV sets, and most of all at the Playboy Mansion. Dorothy had told me that Hef had a rule at the mansion. No boyfriends or husbands were allowed up there unless the women requested it and he approved it because he wanted it to be a place where the girls could go and escape and be able to relax. But they were friends of Hefner's that he did allow up there. While Dorothy relaxes in the comfort of the Playboy Mansion, she meets powerful men, including star director Peter Bogdanovich. Famous for Hollywood films such as The Last Picture Show and Paper Moon, Bogdanovich is a fixture at the Playboy Mansion. Dorothy was like, who's that? It's Peter Bogdanovich. 
stitch from, you know, paper moons. It's like, <laughs> but that was the first time that he had ever seen her. She was very different from the other women that I had seen him with, because he kind of had like a type, and she was a little bit outside of that type. Bogdanovich falls fast for the stunning and charismatic Stratton. After Dorothy meets director Peter Bogdanovich at the mansion, he offers her a role in his upcoming comedy, They All Laughed, which is shooting in New York City. They All Laughed begins filming in New York in March 1980. Peter Bogdanovich declares the set closed to everyone but cast and crew. Snyder is not happy about being shut out. Paul Snyder would go wherever Dorothy could. He would be at her side at all times, because Dorothy was his prize. And Dorothy was starting to come to realization that she had to sort of distance herself because he was becoming a nuisance. She couldn't get any work done because he was around all the time. Paul Snyder stays home in Los Angeles. Snyder saw Bogdanovich as a danger because he felt Dorothy slipping away from him. He was losing his grip on, on his star. I was in New York with her, and we talked about her getting a new manager, a new agent, going to a, a major agency, and that this was the time to do it. Hi. I'm looking for Dorothy Stratton. From his West Hollywood home, Paul keeps calling his wife at her hotel in New York. Paul would be trying to call Dorothy, and he'd kind of pound the counter, you know, just upset that he couldn't get through. There's a reason Paul can't reach his wife in her hotel suite. She's sleeping in another suite with director Peter Bogdanovich. When they were making They All Laughed in New York, that's when Dorothy and Peter Bogdanovich began a relationship. Dorothy keeps her relationship with Peter Bogdanovich secret, but sends Paul a disturbing note. While Dorothy's hanging out with Bogdanovich in New York City, she sends Paul essentially a Dear John letter and says, we have to live apart, we have to live separately. I want a separation. Losing his wife is more than a heartache. It could cost Paul his livelihood. For Paul, it's not just an emotional blow. It's a financial blow. He's a Canadian citizen. He needs Dorothy to make it easier for him to work in the United States. So to lose Dorothy or to be separated from Dorothy doesn't just mean losing his love and losing his dreams. It means losing money. It's only through friends that Paul finds out that after shooting, they all laughed. Dorothy is not off in London with a friend of hers. She's off in London with Peter Bogdanovich. And this is devastating to him. Sensing his money and even his legal status is at risk. Hey, Patty. Paul redoubles his efforts to convince Patty to move to Hollywood as soon as she graduates and let him guide her to fame. I think you should come out here as soon as possible. He was really pushing for me to get pictures going, telling me that I really needed to go to acting school because that would help me with modeling. He said Dorothy did that and it helped her 100% and that's why she was doing so well. I thought that my dream was actually gonna happen. I was so ecstatic. I was very excited about going there. Unaware of the breakup between Paul and Dorothy, Patty finishes high school and moves into Paul Snyder's house to chase her dreams of stardom. 
I couldn't believe I was actually living in Hollywood. But Patty finds everything has changed, including Paul himself. When I moved in there, I thought everything was fine between the two of them. I had no idea that they were estranged, that they weren't even speaking. He was telling me that he, he knows that she's being um, brainwashed by somebody. That's what he felt, and that, that he just was so concerned about her. I'm really sorry, Paul. And I told him, you know, she's young and she's beautiful and she's got a lot going for her and she has all this stuff happening to her and you guys got married pretty young that you may have to accept what's happening. And he started to cry and he was like, I just love her, I don't want anything to happen to her. And I just told him, if you love something, set it free. If it comes back, it's yours. And if it's not, it never was. I said, you don't want to smother her. I said, I've, I've done that to boyfriends and it just chases them away. Here's a 17-year-old giving him advice, but I was just trying to, you know, help him out, talk to him a little bit, because he was, he was really distraught at that time. Depressed and running low on money, a dejected Paul Snyder tries to stay focused on the 17-year-old beauty now living in his house. With Dorothy leaving the picture, the best way for Paul to be making money, to remain able to work in the United States, is to make Patty a star. Paul was um, going through a lot, but he always was very nice to me. When I was there, I felt like, like he was like my big brother or my boss, is how I felt. And I was his protege. I mean, he was the one that was directing me and what I needed to do and, and the steps that I needed to take. He's grooming her to be this playboy model. He's teaching her how to dress. She's very young at this time, and he's treating her very, very well. And because he is this sort of domineering figure, uh, he stepped into this sort of father-like role. He was uh, telling her how to act, what to wear, what to eat, etc., because that was going to be his next big ticket. Unaware that police once suspected Snyder of pimping, Patty has no suspicions when Snyder sends her to meet a man with a history of manipulating young women. Paul wanted me to meet somebody that he said would possibly have um, some modeling connections. He told me, I'm going to drop you off and then I'll be sitting outside, you know, waiting for you. So I said, okay, and I went in. He asked me, um, you know, oh, what do you want to do? I said, I'd love to get into movies. And he said, well, that would be great. And from there, things started to be kind of strange. He said, how do I know how good you're going to be when you're in movies? First of all, we need to see how you look. Former pimp Paul Snyder has delivered 17-year-old Patty into the hands of a predator. He started to try to take my shirt down. I was scared.
Did you know you can stream the I Lived with a Killer TV series as well as Reels companion programs, Murder Made Me Famous, and Autopsy on Roku and Fire TV? Well, you can. Just download the Reels app and subscribe. If you've got Prime Video, Reels is on Amazon channels too. I Lived with a Killer comes from the real crime fans at Reels channel. Find Reels on your TV by going to Reels.com. That's R-E-E-L-Z.com. Seventeen-year-old Patty Lauerman, with dreams of Hollywood stardom, is living in the house of promoter Paul Snyder, unaware that Snyder is slowly losing control. When I was there, I felt like he was like my big brother or my boss, and I was his protege. Paul has already turned his wife, Dorothy Stratton, into a Playboy superstar. By the time Patty Lauerman meets Dorothy Stratton, Dorothy is already on her way to becoming a major star. She is that elusive thing that Playboy always wanted. Never, never was Playboy ever able to take their models as beautiful and, and as charismatic as they were and get them into television and movies. She was the first one to make that big transition from the pages of Playboy magazine to the television and movie screens. But within one short year, Stratton wants to leave her husband behind. And now, Paul Snyder is at risk of losing it all. If Dorothy leaves Paul, he loses not only a wife, but his source of income and the possibility of continuing to work in the United States. To drum up new business and save himself, Snyder sends innocent 17-year-old Patty Lauerman in to meet a dangerous Hollywood player without warning her of the risks. He said, how do I know how good you're going to be when you're in movies? First of all, we need to see how you look. He started to try to take my shirt down. I was scared. Hey, wait a minute. Where are you going? I stepped back saying, what do you think you're doing? Well, he chased me literally around the office. I managed to get to the door and get out of there and, and then ran out. And there was Paul waiting for me. And I sat in the car and I said, this guy is trying to get me to take my clothes off so he can see my body. I said, what does that have to do with modeling and acting? Drawing from his shady days in Vancouver, Paul tries to reassure Patty with a lie. He said, I kind of knew that was going to happen, but I wanted you to see what you could be in for in the movie industry. I wanted to make sure that you'd be able to handle yourself and and you did. And I said, and if that's what it takes to do movies that I have to do this, then I'm not interested. I'll go back to Riverside. At that point, I wasn't so much angry as I was I was just so flustered. I was so upset and kind of even a little bit scared. With Patty Lauerman no closer to making him money, Paul Snyder considers more drastic measures. It gets so bad that Paul reportedly goes to the bank with a woman posing as Dorothy to try to get her personal funds. He actually went to a bank with a blonde and said, this is my wife Dorothy, we want to take some money out. I mean, that's how bad it got. Paul Snyder's ploy fails. The bank refuses him Stratton's money, leaving him broke and humiliated. More desperate than ever, 
Snyder works yet another angle to earn some cash. Schneider was uh, into fitness, and he had invented a, a weightlifting bench for himself that he thought might take off, and that really went nowhere. But then his, his wheels were turning, as they always were. He re-welded this, this weight bench into this sex chair, like a, a bondage kind of a thing. He took it to the pleasure chest over in West Hollywood to uh, to market it to them, saying, you know, what we can make these things, and you know, and this is what it's good for, and and uh, and they weren't really interested in it. So this prototype ended up sitting in his bedroom at his home. Snyder is running out of options to stay afloat, but he takes one more shot at making ends meet. Snyder always had a new idea, you know, be it a wet t-shirt contest or, or a wet jockey shorts contest. Or, and he saw this, this idea of the Chippendales. Well, it's much like the Playboy Club. You know, they, they had these pretty girls walking around with bunny ears and, and little collars and, and cuffs. Well, why don't we do this for women? So the Chippendales came about where he would put the cuffs on the guys and, you know, they were topless and very sexy. And that was, that was, you know, was a really innovative thing. Innovative or not, Snyder can't get along with his business partners. He came up with the idea of Chippendales, but the people that he worked with took the idea from him and pushed him out of the deal. He got um, screwed over on that. And that, that started to take a toll on him. It really upset him. There were times when he would break down. It was very, very sad. I'm sure that that played into his decision. As if he had been making money with the Chippendales. He might have seen something to live for. Out of options and out of cash, Snyder is pushed to his breaking point. Paul tries to make it without Dorothy, but all of his non-Dorothy projects fall through, and this is driving him into a rage. Paul's back is up against the wall. He's losing money. He might have to leave LA and go back to Canada. And the more his fortunes decline, the more he thinks about how hard he worked and everything he poured into Dorothy to make her a star and how resentful he is about that. Paul was really upset. If it wasn't for him, you know, Dorothy hadn't, wouldn't have even been where she was. That he was the one who discovered her in Canada and brought her out here. And now her career was taking off and she's going up and he's just staying there. In August of 1980, Paul realizes that he can't have what he once had with Dorothy. She's not going to be in his life anymore. He has to go through intermediaries to try to talk to her. Phone calls are not returned. There are middlemen he has to deal with for the first time. He is at wit's end. And it is this point, after three months, three months of trying to get her back into his life without success, that he decides to get a gun. When I moved in there, we had a, um, a gathering of a lot of friends. And one of the friends had a handgun. And Paul asked to look at it. Can I see that? It was startling. 
He said that he wanted to just try it because he was interested in wanting to purchase a handgun to keep in the house for safety. But Snyder has no concerns about personal safety. He's begun to formulate his deadly plan, and he needs a weapon. Paul claims he needs this gun for protection, and he sees uh, one advertised in the classified ads, little magazine, and he and Patty go out to the San Fernando Valley driving around trying to find the seller, but they get lost. Where is this place? Couldn't find the place, so we just wound up going home. And Paul was so frustrated. And he started to cry, and he was like, I just love her, I don't want anything to happen to her. And I told him, you know, you may have to accept what's happening. You might not be able to change things. And that if she loves you, she's going to be there for you. But you, you guys are really young, and sometimes you have to let somebody go. Teenaged Patty Lowerman wants Snyder to set Dorothy Stratton free, but it's too late. Snyder's love has turned to rage. Estranged from his wife, Playboy playmate Dorothy Stratton, Paul Snyder is at a breaking point. His roommate, Patty, encourages him to move on. I told him, you know, you may have to accept what's happening. You might not be able to change things. But a desperate Paul drives to the Playboy mansion looking for Dorothy. What really ended it for Snyder was the night that he went to the Playboy mansion. And he got up to the gates and talked to the uh, to the famous rock that you talk to when you get to the Playboy Mansion. The security answered, and he said, "Hey, I'm Paul Snyder here, and I'm here to see Mr. Hefner." And uh, the guard buzzed Hefner, and Hefner said, "No, under no circumstances will you let this man on the property." And that was like the kick in the teeth for Snyder. That was it for him. He was he was gone, extricated. Then, only three days after he learns he's barred from the Playboy Mansion. Dorothy finally calls. Dorothy's in the Mojave Desert shooting a sunglasses ad when she calls Paul. Hello, Paul. It's Dorothy calling. Um, I've finished my interviews, and I'll be in if you want to call me. Um, bye-bye. Dorothy and Paul agree to meet at Paul's house in West L.A. The day before that meeting... Paul finds a Mossberg shotgun for sale in a classified ad and buys it. That night, Paul breaks down again, and Patty tries to console her troubled roommate. Paul's main concern with his discussion with Dorothy is he wanted to work out somehow that he would be able to remain in the United States so he wouldn't have to go back to Canada. He told me that he realized that uh, he's losing Dorothy, that he can't make her stay and love him. So he told me that he was going to talk to her and that he had talked to his attorney. And he said that he was going to just resolve what he needed to resolve with her and that he was going to let her go, that he was going to accept it. On August 14th, Patty leaves the house so Paul can meet privately with Dorothy. At 2 p.m., Snyder greets the beautiful woman he married and made famous. Dorothy drives up to their house in the afternoon and... She doesn't want to be with Paul, but she's going to have this last meeting to try to work things out. Thanks for coming. Hi. Come on in. She goes into the house, and we know they have a conversation. We're not sure how long, but she leaves her purse in the living room, and inside her purse 
is more than $1,000 she's taken out of the bank to give to Paul to help him out. They go into the bedroom. Paul, on the other hand, wants to maybe salvage his relationship with Dorothy. Paul may have begged Dorothy to take him back, promising things between them will get better. He wants to still be close to her. He wants to still hold on to this dream of making her a star and writing her coattails. While Paul begs his wife for a second chance, Hattie roller skates on Venice Beach. I went roller skating with my friend, and Paul had said he wanted to join us. So he said, call me around um, 3 o'clock, and then uh, I'm going to come over there with you guys. I should be done by then. Paul and Dorothy talk. I'm filing for divorce. We're not getting a divorce. At some point, things take a very, very bad turn. I'm leaving you, Paul. No one's leaving. Yes, I am. No one's leaving. At 3 o'clock, I called Paul, and it just rang and rang and rang. What are you doing? And so I hung up. And I thought, oh, I guess they're probably busy and he doesn't want to pick up the phone. We skated until 5 o'clock. And then we went back to the house and Dorothy's car was there. And we came in the house. And the living room is upstairs and Dorothy's purse was on one of the steps. I was picturing them embracing each other and then just throwing her stuff down and running into the bedroom and being together, and they had worked everything out. Patty assumes the one-time lovers want to be left alone, but as the hours pass, neither Paul nor Dorothy make a single sound. My friend had made a remark that he hadn't heard the toilet flush, which I thought was funny, but I didn't hear anything either. So at this point, I was saying, no, we don't want to bother him, but then he kept persisting. He said it had been a long time. You need to go see what's happening. They called out. And uh, nobody answered. As concern turns to fear, Hattie and her friend approach the bedroom. So we went up to the door. It was terrible. 17-year-old Patty Lowerman is worried. She hasn't heard from her roommate, Paul Snyder, or his estranged wife, Playboy playmate Dorothy Stratton for hours. My friend had made a remark that he hadn't heard the toilet flush, which I thought was funny, but I didn't hear anything either. He said it had been a long time. You need to go see what's happening. They called out, and uh, nobody answered. So we went up to the door. Patty will never forget what she saw on the worst day of her life. It was terrible. It was like a staged horror movie. They were both dead. They were both naked. They'd been dead for at least eight hours. I mean, she was shot in the face. It was a really bloody crime scene. I mean, there was gore on the walls and the curtains in the room. Investigators arrive on the scene and piece together what happened in the moments before Paul Snyder and Dorothy Stratton die. 
The conversation probably began amicably. They probably tried to work out their differences as they had before. They probably tried to reach a financial agreement. But at some point, everything went violent. I'm leaving you, Paul. No one's leaving. Yes, I am. No one's leaving. What are you doing? Everything went wrong. We know that there was this brutal, violent round of sex. And it probably wasn't consensual on Dorothy's part. I think that Paul Snyder was exercising his last bit of control over her. And it went out of control. At some point, the shotgun comes out. Dorothy, in a futile attempt to protect herself, lifts up her hand. The gun goes off. Blows off one of her fingers and takes off a lot of her face. Paul is looking at what has happened, and he turns the gun on himself. First thing you see is Paul's body laying on the floor, and then we saw Dorothy laying on the bed. But because we didn't see a weapon, then we started to wonder if somebody else had shot both of them. There could be somebody still out there, which really freaked me out. When their bodies are discovered, at first nobody even sees the gun because he had fallen on the shotgun. But when the body is removed, they see the weapon. By all accounts, it is a murder-suicide. They pretty much made it a quick open and shut case that uh, they just said Paul killed her and killed himself, and that was pretty much done. They didn't do a very long investigation at all. The horror she witnessed has a lasting effect on Patty. I'm just in the beginning of starting my career of trying to do acting and modeling in L.A., and this is pretty much one of the first things I see. I had a really hard time sleeping for a long time. When I think about what happened, it's like, what if he had freaked out like that when I was there? Police prohibit Lowerman from discussing the crime with anyone, but the story of the murder soon hits the airwaves. Playboy magazine's 1980 Playmate of the Year has been found shot to death, killed apparently by her estranged husband, who then killed himself. With Paul and Dorothy dead, and her dreams of a modeling career slipping away, Patty musters the strength to send new photos to Hugh Hefner at Playboy. I had another photographer, and he did pictures for me because I was old enough now. And he sent them to Playboy, the test shots. When they received them, they um, called me right away and wanted to set up a shoot. So I actually went and did a shoot at a big mansion house in Beverly Hills. They flew in a photographer, and, and we had a, a really good shoot. Patty's dreams of appearing in Playboy are reignited. But when lawsuits break out over Dorothy's untimely death, Patty is caught in the middle. 
I had an appointment to go up to the mansion, and I met with Hef. And then I sat down with his lawyers for hours and hours. I submitted an affidavit for them as a uh, witness to a lot of the, the concerns that Hef was being sued for. Hefner's lawyers want to protect him from any claim that Playboy may have somehow triggered Stratton's death. I asked the attorneys what that was going to do with the centerfold that I had just um, done, and they said that at this point, everything is on hold because if this goes to court, then I'm going to have to be a witness. And if I was involved with Playboy, then my testimony might be seen as I was getting paid off. Once again, Lowerman's dreams are shattered. It kind of put a wrench in anything I had going. So I packed what I could. I went to the bus station, and I hopped on a bus and went home to Riverside. This is obviously a horribly tragic story for Dorothy Stratton, but it's also sad for Patty Lowerman. She had everything going for her. She was beautiful. She had charisma. But because she was so close to Paul Snyder, everything bad that happened to Dorothy spilled over to Patty. Patty Lowerman became famous for all the wrong reasons, and it destroyed her career. Even though her dreams of acting and modeling don't come true, Patty finds happiness in her personal life. So today, many years later, I'm a mother, I have two beautiful children, and like my oldest daughter has her four-year-old daughter, my, my beautiful grandchild, and I look at her and she's so beautiful and she loves to dance and she's got such a personality and I just think, I, I just don't even want her to even consider that career, I just don't even want to have anything to do with Hollywood. That's just something that was in my past and that's where it stays in my past. I moved on, I, I'm happy with my family, and um, it's just now, it's like history for me. I Lived With A Killer comes from the real crime fans at Reels Channel. To find more original programs like this when you watch TV, go to Reels.com. That's R-E-E-L-Z.com to find us on your system. You'll also find extras from the TV version of I Lived With A Killer, including tell-all interviews with family members and crime scene photos. You'll get only on Reels Channel.